across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham, on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. It is, uh, of course, we are back to uh, all sorts of good things here. Uh, I came into work this morning thinking... I know we've got the second lockdown going on. I know whatever is happening, because it's going to be very quiet out there. As I looked into the foggy London stream, uh, which is known as the River Thames, I thought, I wonder where everybody's gone. Maybe they've all decided not to go out today because the lockdown is upon us. However, it turns out that that's not actually the case because as I drove into work, all the same school kids were standing by all the same bus stops, all the same buses were running into all the same traffic jams, all the same people were going down into the tubes to see what was going on and filling those tubes to go to work. When I parked the car uh, in the multi-storey car park, I parked in exactly the same place that I always park in because the previous five levels are always very busy. I walked in from there uh, past dozens and dozens of people who were all going to work in exactly the same way they were on Tuesday and Wednesday. So what exactly is this lockdown all about? is what I find myself asking. We're going to be speaking uh, to Tory rebel Tim Loughton coming up uh, to find out what he makes of it all, because quite frankly, if all these people are still doing exactly what they were doing, is this actually really a lockdown? And if it is really a lockdown, all it's really doing is punishing independent retailers, it's punishing the hospitality business, it's punishing entrepreneurs and small businesses who are unable to do any work whatsoever. Lots of Tory MPs are telling us this morning, oh, you know, we voted for the government's uh, plans with a heavy heart. We also voted for it uh, with a rather full pay packet and a rather largely stuffed wallet as well. But unfortunately, that's not the case for everyone, including several thousand Sainsbury's workers uh, who are going to be laid off as a result of the way things have gone. 0344 499 1000 is the number you need. Uh, We'll be talking to all sorts of people throughout the course of the day, including Helen Dale, uh, who's going to be telling us a little bit about free speech. Well, Donald McLeod, who's going to talk about bringing live music back to Scotland. We're also going to be talking uh, to Inaya Folloran Iman, a writer and columnist at Spiked Online. She's over in Washington, D.C. She'll bring us the latest on the Trump-Biden scenario because, mark my words, it's not over yet. Uh, There is absolutely nothing to suggest that everybody knows who's going to win. It is still not a foregone conclusion. 0344 499 1000. As ever, we need to hear from you, of course, because you are the eyes and ears of the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what's going on out there. You know precisely why you are doing what you are doing, and that is what we need to know. 0344 499 1000. You listen to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, let us talk immediately to Tim Lauter, Conservative MP, former Minister for Children and Families, of course. He's down in Worthing and Shoreham. Tim, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Morning, Mike. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. You tweeted last night that uh, you had looked at all of the measures the government wanted to bring in and you could not, uh, in all good conscience, vote for them. Tell us why. I voted against, and um, I won't say I did so with a, with a heavy heart. I just did so with a sense of logic and realism, um, I hope. I mean, there are... There's three things the government needs to take account of. One is the clinical evidence. Two is what the economy is saying. And three, what people are saying and what is actually sustainable for people to continue to do and have uh, confidence in. The whole argument to have a national lockdown at this stage seems to be weighted purely to what a group of scientists is saying. Mm. And I think that ignores the huge impact on business. It ignores a huge impact on people's health who don't have covid but have other conditions they need to get treatment for in uh, in hospitals and i think it risks not having the confidence of great many people and therefore 
compliance will not be high and we need compliance to be uh, high. I want to continue with these targeted, focused, properly reasoned lockdowns that we've seen in parts of the uh, UK that are having an effect. So why should the whole country now have to go under complete lockdown when my rates locally are one-tenth of what they are in places in the north, for example? Yes. And that does seem to be the case, because as much as the government said we're putting in this tiered system, it didn't seem to me as though the tiered system uh, had really been tested properly to see whether it was working. And certainly there is evidence to suggest uh, that in the places where it has been put in, uh, in the northwest of England, for example, that the rate is beginning to slow down. Uh, I think that's right. And certainly in Liverpool, um, there are some reports that the R rate in Liverpool has actually come down to below uh, one. Mm. So there's evidence that it's working. So at this stage, if things are going in the right direction, where some of those targeted measures have been put in uh, place, uh, why are we not waiting to see if they are going to work and then make sure we are quick in applying those targeted measures where incident rates uh, tick up in other parts of the country as, as well? And I think also there, there was another point, um, uh, Mike, about this, which a lot of people mentioned yesterday. There are certain things that are just illogical mm. about some of these uh, restrictions. Um, the government want people to stay fit, they want people to keep healthy, they want to do exercise, but we're going to ban golf. I gather over three million people or something like that play golf. I, yeah. I don't, but it's the most socially, naturally socially distant sport that there that there is. Yes. You know, outdoor uh, tennis as well, mm. um, and also for doing some outdoor sports for some young kids as uh, as well has been banned. I just think you know this doesn't add up in some of these things, and if those things don't appear logical, people are going to say. Well, this is all a bit nuts, isn't it? So I'm probably not going to follow everything yeah. I'm being told. And it, I mean, it isn't extraordinarily difficult to to manoeuvre various different rules about different things. I mean, heard Ian, Ian Duncan Smith mm. talking to Julie Hartley Brewer this morning, who said that if you want to sell your house, you're allowed to go and see an estate agent, but you're not allowed to go and see a lawyer. So you can't actually complete the deal on the grounds that you can only see one half of the people that you need to see. Yeah, and because last, I think there was a problem with the last uh, lockdown about that as uh, as well, and so they had to make some changes about people being able to move in order to uh, uh, sell their house and run, mess up the whole of the chain, things like things like that. I've had a, I've had an interesting query from somebody who runs a car um, sales room in their in the constituency. Now, car showrooms are specifically in the list of non-essential businesses that should be closed. Right. Apparently, he can convert to a click and collect business. Right. Um, what I've found out in the regulations, it seems that is legit. So we can have click and collect car sales. That's one hell of a collect. It um, really is. But, you know, so when you turn up in the old car, uh, hand that one in and click and collect the other one. As long as you keep a couple of metres away from the chap <laughs> you're giving the keys to. And, and as, mean, long as, you know, as long as you get a bag for life ones. with it as well. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I mean, there, there are just some odd nonsenses uh, here. And yet I've got... Uh, small shops who are already struggling. Some of them have got a load of stock in for Christmas. And they're hoping to sort of recoup what they've lost out and that's their busiest time. They're closed, and yet the supermarkets, garden centres are going to be selling a lot of the stuff that they would be selling in mm. their in their specialist uh, shops. Travel agents. I mean, nobody's really been shouting out for travel agents. And I mentioned that in my uh, speech yesterday. Travel agents can't furlough and not work in, in many cases because they've still got to go to work and do all the refunds and things mm. that they're having to do at the moment for people having to cancel holidays. And of course, they get no payment for that. Travel agents don't get any money until the holidays actually happen and the full payment is is made. So they're having to do all that ad admin without getting any money back for it as, as well. You know, right. Some of these industries have been really hard hit. No, of course. And before you came to, to, to your decision, along with 30-odd um, other Tory uh, MPs, 
How much sort of interaction did you have with the government and how satisfied were you that they have really looked into the economic aspects of all of this, you know, before well, they made the decision? We've had a lot of uh, briefings and to be fair, you know, virtually every day of the week, we've got a minister or, or scientific ad, uh, advisors and, uh, and others that we can sort of have Zoom calls with and ask uh, and ask questions. Um, but I mean, I just seriously doubted, I've had a lot of people send me emails about this. We had a forecast, apparently, last week that there could be 4,000 deaths per day. Yeah. When you actually drill down into where those figures came from, it turns out actually that the most likely figure is under 1,000 mm. deaths a day. And it's a sort of rogue big line on a on a chart which has made it to 4,000. And yeah. there seems to be this the issue is a conflation of what is a scenario, and they can plan for all sorts of scenarios, and what's an actual forecast. And so that's why I'm afraid I've been questioning and not getting satisfactory answers back as to really the extent of how far we should go with the lockdown at this stage mm. is, and the impact it has on the economy and business and everything else. And I think there should be somebody with some business now sitting on the committee alongside the scientists, challenging as to whether you know the data is absolutely accurate and what the knock-on effects are going to be on so many other parts of the country the economy society and so on absolutely and now i know you're in a hurry tim to, to rush off but i must ask you about this finally because you were the minister for children and families terrible story uh, that came up yesterday julie hartley brewer had leandra ashton's mum uh, leandra ashton rather on her show uh, because of what happened at her care home where basically the police more or less take take her mother back to a care home against the family's wishes um because they haven't seen her for such a long time She's disturbed. She's, um, you know, she's 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 not well medically, and they want to spend their time with her, but they're being um, uh, made unable to do that by law. I mean, that can't be right, can it? I um, I'm not quite sure why you link that to me having been children's minister. I gather this has to do with a 97 year old. Well, children um, and families uh, minister, I've got here, but okay. um, uh, she, it's a family, and and she's her daughter. I okay, I don't know the full um, uh, details of that, but on the face of it, what I've seen on social media, it does seem to be a rather heavy handed um, approach. I mean, care homes have got a really difficult job at the uh, at the moment. The staff there are pretty knackered. They're having to deal with a lot of um, of their residents who can't get GP appointments. The GPs won't visit, so they're having to do some online stuff with them. And they're having to deal with lots of understandably angry uh, family members who can't get to see their, uh, see their loved ones. And it's a really diff difficult call. I think many um, care homes have been going out of their way to try and make it possible for people to come and see their uh, their, their family members, it, it may be through a glass screen. It may be in a log cabin in the in the garden. There must be like, a way, must like that. So there are, there are ways. The, the government have not banned it. This is not down to any central government uh, guidance. It's that certain care homes, I think, are being overly cautious in mm. some in some times. But you know, they've got a really difficult job, and these are the most vulnerable people, Mike, as we know. They are the ones, I'm afraid who are most of the fatalities early in the year. No, and, I understand that. But I, my, the reason I, I wanted your opinion on it, Tim, was, was purely and simply because if it was me and I had an elderly mother um, who basically wasn't sure what was going on around her but knew that she wanted to be with her family, surely the family sure. should be allowed to take care of her in their own space. Look, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a sensible route to be had there. And again, without knowing the specific details, 
I, I can't say. I just say involving the police in something like that on the face that appears uh, heavy-handed. Mm. So I just think a bit more sensitivity by all in yes. involved. Agreed, uh, absolutely. Might have been better here. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Tim, thanks very much indeed for taking the time to talk to us. Tim Loughton, uh, MP, Conservative. Uh, Tory rebel last night, uh, former Minister for Children and Families, of course. He's also MP for, for Worthing and Shoreham. Um, lots to talk about this morning because I want to know from you what's going on out there in the big wide world in terms of lockdown. Because London at the moment looks to me like it looked on Tuesday and Wednesday. It doesn't look like anybody stopped going to work. Now, we're apparently, according to the government, if you can work from home, you are supposed to work from home. A lot of people clearly have taken the view that they couldn't work from home in March, but they decided not to go to work. But this time around, they're going to go to work because they can't afford not to. And also, Christmas is coming and nobody's very sure whether or not there's going to be a situation where um, on December the 2nd, all these lockdown measures get lifted. And what about the traffic last night going outside of London? Who are all these people driving out of London to go to their second homes, to go to their holiday homes? Is that what they're doing? They're going out of London because they don't think they're going to be able to spend any time with their families. I find it extraordinary that so many people were in so many cars going to so many different destinations. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let's go now, though, to David Buick, market commentator at Aquis Exchange. Uh, he's going to tell us about the latest from Sainsbury's and also uh, the fact that £150 billion more pounds pumped into the, uh, uh, into the economy by uh, the Bank of England this morning. David, a very good morning to you. Mike, good morning to you. And well, you shouldn't have me on uh, Zoom because I'm ugly than sin. And you'll frighten all your listeners. Morning, <laughs> listen, nonetheless. listen, I haven't frightened anybody off. So if I haven't done it, uh, you certainly won't, David. And as I always say to people, anyone appearing on television with me will always look good. So you look fine. Absolutely fine and dandy. Now, Sainsbury's warning 3,500 jobs can go. I'm being told that some of this may have nothing to do uh, with COVID. It may just be a bit of a restructuring and it's being cheekily done at this time. That's probably right, because if you look at the figures in isolation, I mean, the like-for-like sales overall were up 6.9% and mm. food was up 8.2%, which by any standards is pretty good. And also, you have to remember that the cost of COVID is very expensive at the moment. But Sainsbury's is an interesting story, because if you go back to 2007, when Qatar bought 25% of Sainsbury's, the share price at six quid is just under two quid now. Right, And since Justin... Uh, King left about six years ago um, and he produced almost 10 years of increased like-for-like sales and the company, was, the company was doing pretty good it became very competitive and margins got eroded. Mike Coop took over and he quite rightly was looking for opportunities of whereby he could expand uh, Sainsbury's business without having all the how can I put it you know all his eggs in one basket mm. so he thought ah Argos in 2016 they're not a bad brand. Let's buy them. They pay 1.4 billion, and then they put a certain number of counters in the big Sainsbury shops of Argos. Made a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, since the pandemic, things have not gone quite as planned. So these three and a half thousand jobs, I suspect, Mike, without actually knowing for sure, that a high percentage of them are Argos people. Yeah. And I'm pretty certain that they're going to close around about 120 units, which is actually quite a lot. Mm. And they've taken a hit, you see, of 438 million pounds for making that transitional change. And of course, that means that they've uh, posted a loss of 137 million for the first time for a very long time. I mean, it's been a very, very difficult period for them. But I've got a funny feeling that during the time that they bought Argos, it's like having a new toy. 
uh, as a child, you think, oh, that's great. And you, you forget all your old toys, which mm. are perfectly good in the cupboard. And the yeah. old toy was Sainsbury's. And they did send, you know, and they did surrender a certain amount of ground. In fairness to Mike Cook, he thought, this isn't going to get better because we're surrendering ground to Aldi, Lidl and Tesco. So, hello, let's go merge with Asda, which was actually a very good idea. Mm. But unfortunately, the Competition Commission was not was having none of it. Right. And it's now gone to the Issa brothers, of course, of Blackburn. So I feel I think Mike Coop was somewhat wronged with that. I didn't see a competition problem really, but unfortunately it doesn't stop down to me, and they did, and that's why they're in this slightly part of state. No, true. Although Sainsbury's have come back from quite a bad place, haven't they? A few years ago, as you say, oh, yeah. because they were kind of trailing way behind Tesco's, who've sort of fallen off a cliff, it would seem. But but the, the pandemic has not, as you say, been bad for supermarkets because you know they've been allowed to stay open all this time. You know, I was saying uh, earlier on in the show, coming into work today. Uh, it seems as though London looks exactly the same as it did on Tuesday to me. It doesn't look as if this is going to be the same kind of lockdown that we had back in uh, March. No. no, it doesn't feel that way either. Certainly being a Londoner myself, you, you definitely don't get that, that impression. I think the one thing that I think people may forget is that this pandemic for big retailers, because of the hygiene, the security and everything else, it's very costly. Mm. And you probably noticed last week when Amazon posted its figures, the cost of the pandemic to Amazon is $4 billion for a quarter. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of money. I know I'm not going to get my handkerchief out and dab my eyes because they're doing incredibly well. But it just gives you an idea of the cost of something like this, which, which is enormous for people like retailers. Yeah, absolutely right. And I mean, it's difficult to know what the damage economically will be. What we have learned from the government is that they didn't necessarily do any great economic modelling before they did this launch uh, of the latest lockdown. But the Bank of England today saying uh, crisis support uh, for the virus and affected business, £150 billion. Rishi Sunak uh, will be talking this afternoon about this. Um, the money seems to be sort of never ending. Well, I think uh, first and foremost, I'd like to come to Rishi Sunak's defence. I mean, I think he's proving to be a very good chancellor. But yeah. you always look good when you're, do you're dealing out the dosh. Mm. And it's when you've got to call it back in. The fact that it took ages for the cabinet last week to come to some agreement made me think that the cabinet is deeply divided on this. And yeah. I have little doubt about it. Rishi Sunak being, you know, somebody who worked at Goldman Sachs, understands capitalism and the rest of it. He knows how important business is. Mm. And in point of fact, I'm sorry, Mike, but you are actually talking to the wrong person because I am profoundly against this lockdown, mm. because all we're hearing is doom and death and destruction. I feel very sorry for those 11,000 people who are in hospital. It's horrible, horrible, nasty disease. But you've got to pick it out. And it's interesting that Methodist Balance and Witty never tell you that the average age of people dying is 82 years of age, mm. and they've got underlying health problems. And that since March, less than 2,500 people without underlying health problems have died. Yeah. And I'm afraid we are not learning to live with this thing and we are trashing the economy. And I feel desperately sorry for Andrew Bailey at the Bank of England. They've had to come out with some awful revisions, like 11% down on GDP for 2020. And they're having to cut back from 9% plus for 2021 to only 7.25%. Yeah. This is devastating. Oh, and as you so rightly say, hospitality, the service sector, restaurants, a lot of these guys, and Paul Johnson is 100% right, they're not going to come back. No. 
No, that's the trouble. And I mean, you know, I wouldn't say I'm talking to the wrong person about this, David, at all, because your view is shared by a great many people, including, you know, several dozen Tory MPs who voted against this lockdown last night in the House of Commons because they don't believe that it's the right thing to do. Um, And I'm also rather upset at those who say, well, if you don't agree with it, then clearly you're some kind of, you know, heartless, ghastly, you know, granny killing individual, which is a nonsense, isn't it? Well, it is really, basically, because... You know, I'm of the age that I'm vulnerable and it's up to me to stay out of the way. And anybody 50 years of age and under, that's they've got their whole lives ahead of them. Mm. And they get pride of place from me, definitely. Yeah. And, you know, if I'm stupid enough not to obey the rules, then I'll pay the price, I'll pay the price. But I'm going to make, they're going to have a hell of a job getting a hold of me, if you know what I mean. Yes. But I really believe, and the care homes and all the other, we need to make sure that they stay safe and we need to make sure that our young are vibrant, that they've got something to live for, that this lockdown doesn't trash their confidence in life. I've noticed with my own grandchildren that they're suffering. Mm. They're back at school. And, and in the last month, things are much better. And, and they're still there. Thank the good Lord. And I hope we go through all the way through to Christmas. Because people underestimate the fact that you and I are having a lovely time talking on Zoom. And we do it as friends and we know each other well but if we wanted to negotiate business zoom is useless right absolutely because you can't have a conversation i can't i can just about see the whites of your eyes but yeah. not really yes and that's well, why I, no listen i agree with you i mean i've worked all the way through the lockdown from this very studio because i believe that my job needs me in this particular studio i need to talk to the people that i work with i need to be in the same room as them i need to be able to social distance from them i'm sitting in here on my own believe it or not you know nobody yeah. wants to come in here with me i don't say i can't blame them you know my producers are all safely behind some glass and in the end you know this is what we do people are supposed to go to work you're not supposed to get up go into the living room and open a laptop and that's your working day well, also, it would be mentally destroy you eventually. Yeah. You'd become what I would describe as a monosyllabic congenital ug merchant. I mean, it's just awful. <laughs> or you or know, a you, civil servant. You, well, no, don't be like that. But you know what I mean? It's so important that we have relationships with people, that we can laugh with them, that we can share our concerns, our worries, our fun. And it's just not happening. And, uh, you know, the sooner that this... I won't describe it as nonsense because life is desperately important. Yeah, of course. But, we need to get a sense of balance, and I just fear. I feel very sorry for the prime minister. Damned if he does, and damned if he doesn't. Yes, I think but there's there's, there's some some truth to that. Let me throw one more thing at you that I wasn't yeah. you weren't expecting because I do value your opinion on many things, David. As you know, um, what difference will it make to the city uh, who wins the U.S. presidential election, uh, if anything? The city of London, in my humble opinion, the fact if, if Joe Biden were to one with an outright victory like easily, I think we'd had every cause to be full of concern because Joe Biden would go for a loving with Macron and Merkel and it would be get to the back of the queue for the United Kingdom. He's a a Roman Catholic uh, Irishman. He's not got a lot of truck for this country, but the fact is that he is likely to squeak in with a small majority means that he'll have no overall control of the Senate. So he won't be able to trash Trump's uh, tax cuts and he won't be able to get heavy with the technological business, which is so important for the future. So I think we have some reason to be confident of a Democrat uh, majority because it'll be a very, very small one. And it means that he won't be able to put his hobnail boots on and get what he would does what's done. I just hope that he doesn't underdo uh, some of the problems that mm. we've had with China. It's desperately important that China is kept on the bridle as a friend because we need to do business with them. 
but it's not to ride roughshod over the whole world. Absolutely. David, thank you very much indeed as ever. Stay safe, as we like to say here at Talk Radio, because, of course, everybody knows that there is a problem with the virus, with coronavirus. Nobody is ever suggesting that there is not a problem with coronavirus. However, what we need to make sure of is that all other problems are not created by the problem of sorting out the coronavirus pandemic, which may or may not work, by the way, because as we hear uh, throughout the day so far, this lockdown doesn't look much like a lockdown. Here's another example from Mark, who says, driven from Northamptonshire on the A14, then onto the M6 to Birmingham, and it was busier this morning than all week. Also driven by Canuck Chase on the way to Stafford, uh, and loads of cars are parked up there. I can't imagine why. For heaven's sake, Mark, what are you doing? This is Talk Radio. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Well, I suppose we all knew that it would start to become a little bit tricky, this particular election. But it's now Thursday. We brought you overnight on Tuesday into Wednesday morning uh, all the news as it happened while the voting uh, was taking place. And then when the polls closed and then when the counts started coming up as well. But they're still arguing the toss. There's all sorts of allegations being made uh, by Rudolph Giuliani on behalf of President Trump saying that, you know, they're not keen on the postal ballots. They're not trusting of the postal ballots. They don't think the postal ballots have been properly organised. They don't think they're being properly counted. Let's find out now from Inaya Fuller and Imam exactly what is going on. Inaya, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So uh, you've been over there for, um, I guess, the best part of a week now, I'm I'm assuming. Um, Everybody knew that it was going to be slightly unusual, this election, um, but I'm not sure we quite knew that it was going to descend into this kind of chaos. 
Yeah, I mean, President Trump for several months now has been warning about the mail-in ballots. I think that has been something of a significant um, concern to him and many of his supporters. I was at the Trump rally a few days before the election, and that was one thing that was repeatedly coming up. And we understand that. I don't think um, it is an illegitimate concern. This is an unprecedented election. The amount of people voting by mail is very significant. And even in the UK, we have had fraud in relation to this particular thing as well. So I think that this isn't the atmosphere that you'd expect from a post-election. There isn't this jubilance for either candidate. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of nervousness because most many people know that either of their candidate could win and both of them do have a path to winning and we have no idea yet when we will find out the result. And so this is a very and bizarre and strange feeling in the atmosphere. Yes, that's right, because it will come as no surprise to you, Inaya, in your travels over there, uh, that the media, much of the media in this country, is already predicting Biden has won because they think he has. But in fact, there's no suggestion that it couldn't all get reversed. There's problems in Arizona. Um, Pennsylvania, uh, believe it or not, um, Sky and the BBC have been saying is going to go to Biden when all of the information that you've seen probably from the Trump camp and that I've seen would suggest that's completely wrong. Exactly. And I think, um, again, one of the concerns has been almost you know, all of the um, voting in person has been significantly for Trump. And then they're finding like tons of mail-in ballots almost exclusively um, for Biden. And I think this is obviously going to raise a lot of questions. And I think it is concerning that many people, um, particularly the mainstream media, are pushing this narrative that Biden is going to win in order to kind of get this momentum towards Biden and make it almost look like Donald Trump is a a sore loser. But I don't think that's the case. I think the integrity of the democratic process should be a question for all of us. And we should all be taking it seriously if there is a potential for fraud. And we should wait until all of the votes are counted and the truth um, to find out before we select a, a winner. Yes, indeed. I mean, I'm a bit of a veteran of American presidential elections. And I've have to, I have to say that I've always been astonished at how cumbersome and not very good and efficient their voting system actually is, going all the way back to the hanging chads of, of Gore uh, back in um, you know the start of this century, when, when it was all about how big the hole was punched when somebody actually walked in and pulled a lever. And I was going, what are they doing pulling levers in the 21st century? It just seems bizarre, doesn't it? No, exactly. And I've also been surprised. But again, I think because of this, um, we have COVID, we have a situation where, you know, people have been locked down and all of these um, very unique uh, um, individual situations, which has meant that the the process is probably been even more confusing. I think that um, it has been um, still quite surprising how kind of unorganized one one would hope one of the biggest democracies in the world um, is. But at the end of the day, that's why it has been extended in terms of the time frame until we'll really find out. But I think that this isn't helpful for um, division and, and, and getting the country more unified and preparing for what the result is going to be. I think there is um, a lot of um, worry and anxiety, and I don't think that's helpful no. going forward. And you're in Washington, D.C., Anaya. Um, we've heard that it's a bit of a febrile atmosphere there. Nigel Farage put out a couple of videos uh, earlier part of this week showing boarded up shops, boarded up buildings, um, which were, were preparing for, for possible riots. What's the atmosphere really like there? Yeah, I think it, it's been really surprising to see how many places are boarded up. And I think we, uh, not, very few people are under any illusions in terms of why they are boarded up. It's not for Trump supporters. It's mm. not for um, you know any of those people. It's likely going to be kind of Antifa star rioters, BLM star rioters, and people like that that are unhappy of the potential that um, and Trump may win the election. And I think that that's very telling um, about just the situation that America is in, that many people 
do not um, subscribe to losers' consent and see violence and destruction as a mechanism for affecting political change. And that is not what we like to see or want to see um, in, in a democracy. And there has been a very worrying atmosphere. Some people a couple of days ago were stabbed. Um, many people have been out and, and preparing for um, some kind of uh, uh, kind of protesting situation. And I think, again, that, that none of this is helpful if we are looking to actually heal some of the divisions that have been exposed in American society over the last few um, years going forward. Yes, and we saw yesterday Rudolph Giuliani uh, sort of announcing effectively that there were several lawsuits being launched in several different cities in several different states. What is the status of those? And, and can they, uh, as far as you know, stop the counting process? Uh, or will they have to wait until the counting process is done before they are then sort of looked upon? Well, I think, um, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty with that. I mean, obviously, Rudy Giuliani has been um, claiming that uh, they haven't been able to observe the count, and that is something that they should be allowed to do. I think many of them, if they're in a kind of 1.5 um, percentage, are allowed to have a recount. And there, So there are a lot of kind of things going on here. It's not clear whether or not um, they will be able to do that, but I think they're going to push as hard as possible. And again, this isn't something unique to Trump. Um, the Biden camp had already lawyered up as well beforehand, just in case. Mm. So I think that we have to be very conscious about how we're framing it. And I think a lot of people very too quickly want to frame it as Trump trying to you know, st steal the election or anything like that. But what we don't know is who's won yet. And there is a path to win for both of them. And I think we need to make sure that every vote has been counted. And if there has been um, um, illegitimacy going on, then it is completely right that um, Trump's camp is investigating that and doing everything they can to ensure that that process right. is... And interestingly, I mean, it's a phrase now that's become quite controversial, hasn't it? Every vote counted, because I heard um, somebody who was on Trump's side, I think last night, saying, well, what we want is for every legitimate vote to be counted, which is also um, a truism, because that's, of course, you wouldn't want illegitimate votes to be counted. But I guess until you've got an investigation underway and until you've counted all of the votes, you're not really sure which ones of those are illegitimate. There's an awful lot of activity on social media. Um, I'm always wary of, of, uh, of, 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 of that until you know for sure uh, whether an official source is saying something but are there any actual investigations going on as far as you know involving the FBI or involving law enforcement? Um, it's not clear to me um, at this point whether there are um, investigations going on. I'm fully aware that people are trying to push for them to happen and um, ensuring that um, if there is anything, any evidence that has come through, any strong evidence that something illegitimate is going to go on, then I'm sure that there will be um, significant forces like Rudy Giuliani and others and making sure that that is being investigated. And I, I agree with you, that phrase of, you know, very much has become a kind of a platitude right now. But I, um, I agree also that it, it's about whether or not legitimate votes have been counted. Again, right. mail-in voting is a very controversial um, issue in relation to the scale that it has been done. And I don't think that um, people should think that um, Donald Trump is doing it um, for other, any other reason other than wanting to ensure that um, the correct result of this election is found. Right. And obviously, I don't expect you to know the answer to this question. But I mean, are you expecting, I mean, it's early uh, in the morning there, 7.15. Are you expecting that, say, by lunchtime in, in the East Coast where you are, that there will be some better indication? There must be surely a couple of those counts that will come in. Well, we've had some reports that we will have a couple more um, about afternoon and um, this time. But again, places like Pennsylvania have said that they may not even announce for another um, almost a week. So even really? if there are, yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> so even if, 
Exactly. It's, it's really crazy. So I think that even if a couple come in, if there is still a pathway um, for either candidate to win that's not very clear yet, then that will um, it, it will go on and on for several days longer. Well, listen, we really appreciate it, Anaya, keeping us up to date because it's always good to hear from people who are actually there uh, as opposed to uh, people who don't quite understand the American election process. But it's certainly going to go down in history as the uh, the biggest turnout of all time. It might go down in history uh, as the most long-awaited result as well because I don't think uh, before this there's been more than a week, say, when because of I think it was the, the, the Gore problem uh, back in, uh, as I say, the beginning of this century when it, I think it took about three to four days. But I don't think it's ever taken more than a week well exactly and um i i hope that it doesn't go on longer um than a month that some people are predicting so uh, let's hope that we find out uh, as soon as possible yes absolutely anaya fowler and imam thank you very much indeed reporting into us uh, from the united states from uh, washington dc to be precise she's a writer and columnist at spikes online uh, also a member of the free speech union and involved in a couple of think tanks as well it really is too early to say regardless of what you're seeing uh, on what i would regard as sky and the bbc and other uh, outlets you know this is not by any means a done deal. Trump has not yet lost the election. Biden has not yet won it. And there is a long, long way to go. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Right now, though, let's go back to the US of A. LaDonna Harvey is with us. She was with us the other night on our election special in our brand spanking new studio. Uh, she's back with us now from San Diego, California. LaDonna, how are you doing? Good morning. Just, you know, fabulous waiting for a president. Yeah, just as they used to say, waiting for the other shoe to drop. But I mean, uh, it may it may not drop for a while because I've been quite remarkably sort of surprised by how it's dragging out. Not so. I mean, I kind of knew it would it would de- develop into a, a bit of a legal tussle. But what I didn't expect was this long period of time before they could actually declare almost all of the votes. Right. It's uh, well, I mean, number one, in Pennsylvania, they stopped counting votes. Yeah. Uh, it's you know, it's uh, according to some, they need some transparency there. Uh, Nevada's having trouble trying to get its votes counted. Right. Um, and Georgia is also really slow on the uptake. We only have uh, what we've got 90. I think 98 percent of the votes counted in Georgia. So it looks like Georgia's going to Trump. Uh, it looks like North Carolina and Pennsylvania are both going to Trump, but Biden just needs Nevada. Right. So you know, there's, there's every chance that, uh, you know, casino dealers in Las Vegas are going to determine the president uh, who is the next president. Which well, let's, well, let's hope it's not because uh, let's lo- hope it's not because they've got any money running on it. No, exactly. <laughs> mm. Now, the other thing that I find interesting is what's going on in Arizona, because uh, it was during our show that Fox News came out and said, basically, that they were calling Arizona for Biden. And that still seems to be up in the air. A kind, kind of. Uh, Arizona's only got 88 percent of the votes counted, but everybody seems to firmly believe that it's still going to go for Biden. Uh, He's got 50 and a half percent. That's how close this is uh, to 41 for Trump, but you know the outstanding votes. I don't think will would add up, even if every one of them went to Trump, would add up to a victory for the president. Yeah, really. And as far as that all goes, I mean, I understand that there's been a couple of incidents, uh, a couple of counts where Trump uh, supporters have turned up, uh, looking like they're trying to intimidate people. There's Rudy Giuliani, of course, which we've mentioned already on the show, uh, launching lawsuits all over the place. I mean, this isn't going to end anytime soon, no matter what the declarations are. 
No, it really isn't. Uh, The president's campaign is filing lawsuits over the vote count in Pennsylvania. Uh, We've got uh, lawsuits going in a lot of different places over, you know, basically just voter voting technicalities. Um, You know, is you know when is election day? Apparently, this is a question now instead of you know a firm uh, first Tuesday in November thing like it should have been. Uh, And and there is a lot of there there is. I think of a constitutional basis for some of the lawsuits. Some of them are just a nuisance, but some of them make sense. Yeah, right. And also, I mean, it is a very antiquated system, as you and I spoke about the other day. And, you know, it wouldn't be at all surprising if, as a result of this particular election, somebody kind of got it to grips, uh, uh, got to grips with it and said, you know, it's time we sorted this out. I mean, we've got a thing called the Electoral Commission in this country, which is not the most efficient of bodies. Um, But I presume there's something similar in America. I mean, would they not be looking at this and thinking this is a shambles? Yeah, the Federal Election Commission, uh, and they're probably uh, just as as good as your election commission. Um, Yeah, you know, we don't have like one uniform way to vote. States determine election law in each state. They do have to follow the Constitution, uh, but election law is determined by the states as well as, you know, how you vote, vote counting, whether you vote by hand, whether you vote by machine. Mm. All of that's really determined by the states. So there's no uniform way across the the U.S. to count votes. Right. And how is the sort of the general scene on the streets? Because we saw a little bit of of pushing and shoving on uh, on, uh, the night of the election in Washington, D.C. There are obviously some people who are still very angry. and And it remains to be seen whether the anger dissipates or whether it increases, I suppose. Yeah, I think uh, as we get closer to a result uh, and, you know, states start finally call the three remaining states uh, finally call it. That, I think, is when, you know, either violence erupts or it doesn't. I it's hard to tell. So far, it's relatively quiet. And I would God, I would just hope it would stay that way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I suppose <laughs> the one thing that is in in favor of, of a lot of it is that it's going to be very cold out there. You know, you know, most of the big riots in, in most countries happen during the kind of long, hot summer months, don't they? And I know that where you are, it's never really that cold. But when, in, in parts of the U.S. where it is freezing cold, you're not going to see too many people out, uh, you know, marching, are you? I, I hope not. Honestly, I, I really hope not. I hope we haven't come to the point in this country where when your guy loses, it's time to burn it down. Um, yeah. You know, the it's not a civil war. It's an election. A peaceful transfer of power is what it's supposed to be. Right. And uh, would hope that it would remain so. Yes, one, one would hope so. I absolutely concur with that. LaDonna, thankfully, you and I, some of the many uh, voices of uh, reason will, I'm sure, be heard over loudly uh, more than the other ones, which are unreasonable. LaDonna Harvey from KOGO Radio at San Diego, California, uh, where the sun is always shining, uh, where the weather's always good, uh, but where not everything always goes according to plan. Lots of people now saying, of course, that uh, Arizona is very much the key to this. And Arizona is by no means in Biden's hands. And an awful lot of what is going on there uh, and, and in other parts of the country where final counts are being made is that the difference between success and failure for both men is as little as a one point or possibly less, sometimes 0.6 of a point. You know, there's no question that Joe Biden has got more popular votes than Donald Trump. No question about that. Hillary Clinton got more popular votes than Donald Trump. But Donald Trump's um, electoral count has actually gone up since 2016 by three million. So there is no way that you can say that somehow, as some commentators on the left will say, 
that Donald Trump has lost his luster, that people have become disappointed with him, that he hasn't really appealed to enough people. That is absolute and utter tosh. Let me tell you that. So if I were you and if you've made a bet that Trump is going to win, don't hand over the money yet because it's still possible. Trust me. You know you can because my predictions have always come true. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.